0: I mentioned last week that one of the things that made the, gave, gave power to the Methodist movement was John Wesley's willingness to move out of the churches and to preach in the fields. And one of the other significant dynamics of the Methodist movement was Wesley's organization of his people into small groups. We called them class meetings and bands. And these were groups of 10 to 15 people who met together on a regular basis for encouragement and And to pray together and to to walk together, and particularly in the bands, which were sort of the, the hardcore Methodists. They got together and they had an accountability session with each other. When they met, the people would go around the room and everyone would share the spiritual victories they had had that week. And they would rejoice with each other. And then they would go around the room and say, all right, now what sins have you committed this week that you need to confess to the group? and they would go around and they would confess their sins and it worked because they did not the response wasn't condemnation it was love and support and prayer and compassion i suspect if we if we said we're going to start a, a small group where part of it's going to be confessing our sins that we've committed this week if we got people in the room first and told them that we'd probably clear the room pretty quickly We say, that kind of stuff doesn't work now. Maybe it doesn't work because the atmosphere in which we're meeting isn't the same atmosphere that they were meeting. Maybe we're afraid that our atmosphere is about condemnation, not about support and love and encouragement and prayer. And we see over and over again the value and the importance of confession for building community. The great revivals that have taken place through the centuries have all started with confession of sin. My prayer for this prayer vigil, one of my prayers is that we will be so connected to one another, even though we're coming to pray separately, we're so connected to each other and we create such a spirit of unity and community in our prayers that we begin to develop this kind of spirit among us, a freedom and honesty that releases us from having to hold on to these secret things, that allows relationships to be restored, and people to be healed. One of the ways we're symbolizing that in the the prayer vigils, when you walk out of the room, just to your right, you'll see a shelf, and on it are slips of paper, Decorative paper, and we're going to ask you to write your name and the names of anyone else who is with you in the prayer room. And we're going to build a paper, paper uh, chain link. And each person who comes out will add their piece of paper, wrap it around the, the links before them, and tape it. And when we're done, we'll have more than 500 links of this paper chain. that We're going to bring in here and remind us that though we might pray by ourselves, it's really about all of us praying together. It's in the power of our united prayers that God does great things. As people come together and we pray for one another and we encourage one another and we encourage one another to pray risky, bold prayers, we see God doing some marvelous things. I think this kind of atmosphere is what it looks like when when you have righteous people coming together. In the end of verse 16, he says the power of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We wonder what exactly is righteousness? What does that mean to be a righteous person? And we typically think you follow the rules, you obey the laws, you have the right stand on moral issues, you do all of those things. And those things are important, but that's not really righteousness. Righteousness is living so close to Jesus that his spirit absorbs our spirit. It's being like Elijah, who didn't just pray a few times a day, but his whole life was prayer. His life was pointed to God. His life was was absorbed by the Spirit of God. Every moment of his day was about relationship with God. No wonder righteous people's prayers are powerful and effective. We have the power of Christ in us as we open our lives to him, as we allow him to take over our lives. There's power in our prayers. We pray with boldness and confidence. And righteous people understand that when you pray for something miraculous, you don't pray once and stop. You have enough faith to believe that God is at work, even when you can't see it, that you keep praying and praying and praying and praying. As Jesus says, praying and not giving up. The reason we do that is because we are so confident about the power of God to do. Paul says to the Ephesians, above and beyond, immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine according to the power of Christ, work in us. And we remember it's the power of Christ, not us. Even though James says the the prayer of of the righteous righteous person is powerful and effective and, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, he also says it's the Lord who will raise them up. We don't heal, we pray for God to heal. We don't change things. We pray for God to change things. We don't do miracles. We pray for God to do the miracles. But we do pray for God to do the miracles. And despite all of our questions and all of our concerns about some of these kinds of prayers, I'm convinced that our problem is not so much uncertain theology as it is simply a lack of faith and trust in our loving Father. Now, there are some conversations in life that you never forget. Now, you think about those conversations, and, and you, can, you can picture the place and the people and the time and the surroundings. You might even be able to, to, to sense some of the aromas that were in that place. I had one of those kinds of moments when I was a, a first-year student in seminary. We were, every first-year student is assigned a supervised ministry position, and, and I was assigned, along with a few other guys, to work as a chaplain at the University of Kentucky Medical Center. So every Monday, we drove to Lexington, and every Monday we spent working as chaplains in in the hospital there. And I remember the very first day we went... We were all kind of nervous, even though I had worked in the hospital, in the emergency room. This was something completely different. And we went in, and we met our our immediate supervisor. And uh, we were all from Asbury Evangelical Institution, and she made it very clear to us, very kindly, but very clearly said to us, you know, you need to know, as we talked about our our lives and got to know each other a little bit, she said, you know, you need to know, I, I would be offended if someone called me an evangelical. I'm not an evangelical Christian, and I want you to understand that. And you do, and we'll get along just fine. And so, you know, she's very clear about where she stood. And it was obvious that we had some very different ideas about faith and spirituality. We would spent the morning in, in orientation and getting things ready. And then that afternoon, she sent us all out to make rounds with patients. Now it's kind of a scary thing. Intimidating when you walk into the room of a patient in the hospital, you don't know them. They don't know you. You've never seen them before. And all you, you got a suit, I got a suit on and a little, you know, student driver chaplain ID badge here. And, and you walk in and, you know, you try to strike up conversation. And the minute you tell people I'm one of the chaplains here, some people get freaked out by that, especially if they don't know you. And I had a number of people say to me, am I dying? Uh, I said, no, no, well, yeah, eventually, but not today, you know, and it took me a while to figure out the right things to say to people, of course, and, you know, and so I'm going in the rooms, I'm talking with people, and, and, you know, I'm having good conversations and engaging them, and, you know, after two or three rooms, I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting pretty good at this, I, I, I think I, am getting the hang of this, and I, you know, i feeling pretty good, and, you know, and I, I felt like, you know, the people are, are smiling a little more when I left than when I came, and you know, got to the end of the day, and we all came together to debrief. And we're sitting in this little circle, five or six, seven of us. And she starts asking us about our experiences, and I'm telling about mine. I'm trying to be humble, you know, because I thought I did really well, you know. And um, in the middle of, my, uh, of describing my visits, she stopped me. And she said to me, so how did people respond when you asked them if it was okay if you prayed with them? And I said, um, I, I didn't ask them that. And I can still see her back straightening and fire flashing in her eyes. And she pointed at me and she said, you didn't pray for them? You didn't ask if you could pray for them? What do you think you were there for? Anybody can go in and cheer up people. You're a chaplain. You're there to bring the presence of Christ to these people. That's why you guys are doing this. And I know she wanted to say, and you guys are evangelical Christians? She didn't. She was kinder than that. And I sort of sat back, my eyes about this wide, got pretty quiet in the room. Okay, sorry. And you know what's interesting is that I had already begun to judge her and her spirituality And God used her to remind me that we're about praying. And we're about praying bold things and confident things. We're about praying risky prayers, not because of us, but because of him. And it seems to me we have two choices when it comes to these difficult circumstances of life that are all around us and are continually around us. We can be so uneasy and fearful and timid, that we really just, we just decide, well, we just won't pray about that. Or despite our anxiety and timidity, we decide we're going to walk out on the tightrope without a net, and we're going to pray bold, confident, risky prayers in the name of Christ. And I don't think it's hard for us to see which of those God is looking for from us. It's not about us. It's about Him who says He can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to the power of Christ in us. My hope is that as we move through this prayer vigil, that God will inspire us to pray bold, confident, risky prayers in the power of Christ. Father, may that be so. May it be so. Amen. The benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.